Good morning, Bram. There's nothing like, you know, getting pumped up by elevator music to an Elton John song. I remember that song. I heard that song. My dad had a little 45, uh, just like the sun going down on me. I don't forget the title by Elton John, right? So welcome. We're in, we're in this new series, Under the Sun. I'm excited to be here with you today. How many people believe God is going to speak to you today? God is going to bless you today. All right, I got one. Boom shakalaka. I want to challenge you to be expectant that God wants to speak directly to you today through his word. God wants to reveal new things to you as we get in his word. I want to also challenge you, we get these bulletins when we walk in, take a couple sermon notes. Uh, maybe not everything I say is life-shattering, but, but as we walk through this series and as we go through the book of Ecclesiastes, write down a couple of these definitions and what they mean. It will expand as you go from here and throughout the week, try and connect with God, try and get in his word and dig a little deeper into this concept of wisdom. Well, have you ever been like severely sunburnt? I mean, really red, right? You, you thought like, well, I, I got hairy arms, hairy legs. I won't get burned. And you got fried, right? And the aloe, all the aloe in the world, world wouldn't save you, right? That's kind of a picture sometimes of how we approach life. We think that we got life by the, by the horns, right? And then, and then we wake up empty and we say, Man, we're grabbing the wrong thing, right? We're, we're grabbing for power, wrong addiction, wrong career, wrong relationships, wrong beliefs. And we have to admit to ourselves that under the sun, we got burned in some way. In the 1991 movie City Slickers, you're aging yourself if you watch that in the theater, but uh, comedian Billy Crystal uh, plays the part of a bored boomer who sells radio advertising time. And we're going to watch a, a minute scene here. Of, he's going into his kid's classroom where uh, fathers are talking about their careers and his son's embarrassed by his dad uh, selling advertising time on the radio. So he tells the class that he's a, uh, under a submarine uh, captain or whatever. But we, we, we pick up just this little scene where Billy Crystal goes off script and goes into a deadpan monologue uh, trying to experience the, the meaning of life. Listen to Billy Crystal. Value this time in your life, kids. Because this is the time in your life when you still have your choices. And it goes by so fast. When you're a teenager, you think you can do anything, and you do. Your 20s are a blur. 30s, you raise your family, you make a little money, and you think to yourself, what happened to my 20s? 40s, you grow a little pot belly, you grow another chin. The music starts to get too loud. One of your old girlfriends from high school becomes a grandmother. Fifties, you have a minor surgery. You'll call it a procedure, but it's a surgery. Sixties, you'll have a major surgery. The music is still loud, but it doesn't matter because you can't hear it anyway. Seventies, you and the wife retire to Fort Lauderdale. Start eating dinner at two o'clock in the afternoon. You have lunch around 10, breakfast the night before. Spend most of your time wandering around malls looking for the ultimate soft yogurt and muttering, how come the kids don't call? How come the kids don't call? The 80s, you'll have a major stroke. You end up babbling to some Jamaican nurse who your wife can't stand, but who you call mama. Any questions? Pretty, pretty depressing, huh? <laughs> My mom lives at Grace Point, and it's awesome, but it's true. Like, people eat dinner at, like, 4 o'clock. It's... It's some true. So, you know, we all start off the same, right? We're given life. And we all end up the same 
It's death. What happens in the middle? Does the middle matter? That's what Billy Crystal is trying to figure out. It's what Solomon, King Solomon is trying to figure out through the, through the book of Ecclesiastes. Does it matter in the middle? What is the meaning of life? Follow along as I read from Ecclesiastes 1 as we start off here. The words of the teacher, son of David, king in Jerusalem. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. What do people gain from all their labors at which they toil under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun sets and hurries back to where it rises. What has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which one can say, look, this is something new? It was here already long ago. It was here before our time. Here's the big idea today. The wisdom of God calls us to be brutally honest and to live above. So first of all, the wisdom of God calls us to be brutally honest. Solomon describes himself as a teacher. A teacher is one who collates information, right, and and brings it forth and presents it to a class. Solomon is considered to be the smartest and wisest man to ever live. In 1 Kings 3, we read that Solomon was chosen to be king after his father, King David, and God asks him, what do you want? I'll give you anything. And because he asks for wisdom, God says, I will give to you all the wealth and all the pleasures, all that your heart desires. Verse 2, we read, meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher, utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. That's a real uh, positive affirmation of the day, right? Motivating Monday. I don't think they put that in there. Did you know that the highest suicide rate is among millionaires? Anything of this finite world, just anything, uh, money, fame, anything of the world is utterly meaningless at the end. Here's a quote from Jim Carrey. I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so they can see that it's not the answer. Solomon uses the word meaningless no less than 38 times in Ecclesiastes. And the word, here's one of the things you can write down, church, okay? Meaningless actually means emptiness. Everybody's trying to make wealth work, sex work, power work, status work, accomplished works. But according to Solomon, who's a, he's a teacher, he's a student of all these things. He says, nothing will work. Nothing in itself will bring lasting satisfaction. A trustworthy saying goes like this. A wise man learns by the experience of others. An ordinary man learns by his own experience. A fool learns by nobody's experience. I just want to tell you, Pastor Bill is a wise man. See, he's been thinking about getting up on his roof, and he's got some gutter issues, some roof issues, and so, but he keeps remembering the story I've told him, I guess, a couple times. When I was a senior in high school, my dad got up on the roof to shovel snow. He didn't come down safely. He fell two stories under our driveway. 
and was in a coma for a month at Hennepin County Hospital in, in Minneapolis. It was a miracle. God saved him. The doctor said this was the worst skull fracture of someone who actually lived. And he, a, a long process, but God gave him 23 extra years. But somehow God kept remembering this story in Bill's mind, and maybe it was that, or maybe it was his beloved wife, Sherry, that said, you're not getting up on that roof. So he called a gutter company, and they're going to fix his roof. Can someone say hallelujah? <laughs> Bill was a wise man. How about us? Will we be wise and listen to the experience and wisdom of King Solomon, who had it all? Had it all. Anything his heart desired. Will we be brutally honest and, and be honest about what brings us satisfaction. In verse 3, Solomon goes on as, as a skeptic, one who doubts and doesn't accept the status quo. What do people gain from all their labors under the sun? The concept of the word gain here, another uh, note in your bulletin, right? To gain means that which is left over. To gain something is that which is left over in the end. As one pastor put it, after we have sucked dry all the immediate delight, joy, or pleasure out of something, what is left over? What endures? What will remain continually to feed the hunger of this life for satisfaction? That's the right question. It's the question we're all asking. Is there a key to continual pleasure, delight, and joy in life? What is the benefit? What is the lasting benefit of all my pursuits? Solomon's boundaries as a teacher and a skeptic is limited to under the sun. The title of our series, a phrase he uses 29 times in the book of Ecclesiastes. Under the sun, what we experience raises the question, is this what life is all about? Is it merely an empty pursuit which never satisfies? Is there anything of lasting value that will answer the hunger of my heart? That is Solomon's search, and if we're honest, that's, that's our main search as well. I find it fascinating that outside the biblical explanation of life and the search for meaning. Many times, human um, spheres answer the same thing. In the realm of psychology, the famous uh, psychologist Eric Larson came up with eight stages of basic life development. And the last three happen in adulthood, and they, they relate most to our, our search for meaning. So in, in early adulthood... The first stage in these last three stages is intimacy. Trying to figure out in the appropriate way to be in intimate with the world around us, with our close loved ones. The second development after that is generativity, which basically answers the question, how can I pour into the next generation? Something that we start to do as we move in our adulthood years. I'm getting a few nods, right? And the final stage is integrity. Making sense of life. How tragic if we get to the end of life and we can't look back with a sense of integrity and meaning and go, wow, by God's grace, this has been good. 
If, if we don't have that grace, I don't know how we can have that sense of integrity, that sense of meaning when we look back in life. Grace says, man, you're looking in the rearview mirror. If there's anything good, God gets the glory. And anything bad and any mistakes, the precious blood of Jesus has covered it for me. It's fascinating, right? A, hum, a human, human outside of God, that's just saying how we've been wired to glorify God, to advance the good of others, to find meaning and purpose. Church, what stage of, of life development are you in now? Where are you tempted to find ultimate meaning in the pursuits of life just simply under the sun? And how is God inviting you to receive his wisdom and grace? I've kind of watched with amusement some of my friends. I'm 53, going to be 54 in a couple months, and watching some of my friends going through midlife crisis. And I had to laugh at one of my friends who, uh, for his 50th birthday, he went with a buddy on a Kiss cruise. Yeah, right. He went on a ship with the band Kiss. And he admitted it was pretty utterly meaningless. But another friend, right, I was watching, and as he turned 50, he just kind of laughed about all the AARP letters he started getting. There's, there's something to it if we're just pursuing sports cars or the fountain of youth. There's going to be an emptiness. But if we can accept these things and walk through these things and be brutally honest, by the grace of God, there can be profound meaning and goodness. In verse 9, Solomon kind of summarizes his findings. And he says, what has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. If we just hold on to that gem of wisdom, it would keep us from going for the latest, newest gadget that's better than sliced bread, right? It would, it, would, it would hold us before we're thinking, man, what's this newest kind of thinking or philosophy that will give us true inner peace? There's nothing new under the sun. It's just a, something slightly altered from what has been before with a little new wrapping around the edges. I find it fascinating, you know, the, the basic uh, generational patterns of, of millennials and Xers and boomers and builders. If you step back with the wisdom of Solomon, those generational patterns happen again and again and again throughout history. There's nothing new under the sun. So if we want to acquire biblical, godly wisdom, we need to learn from the experience of Solomon and be brutally honest about everything under the sun. Everything in this finite, finite mortal world is empty without lasting satisfaction. But secondly, the wisdom of God not only calls us to be brutally honest, but to live above. C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity says this, If I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. God has put eternity into the hearts of man so that nothing will satisfy 
accept an eternal loving relationship with our Heavenly Father. I love this quote. And you know, when, when you see a writer or you see a teacher that just, their bread and butter or something that's so profound to them, you'll see it show up in other, other writings, other teachings. I probably say the same thing over and over again of my favorite Godisms. But in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, the Chronicles of Narnia, the first, well, the book that C.S. Lewis wrote, Professor Kirk, when the older Pavensi's kids, Peter and Susan, come to him and are complaining about their younger sister, Lucy, who's delusional because she's found the magic world of Narnia, Professor Kirk says, is that irrational? Or who's being the most irrational here? It's the same thought, right? If I'm made for something that will satisfy me in this world, there must be another one. That's what God's put into our hearts. Sometimes we, we don't want to be brutally honest because it brings up lies and wounds and hurts from the past. But God wants to bring truth and he wants to bring healing. He wants to bring redemption. And so if we're, we're afraid to go to that closet of the past hurts, Dr. Phil would say, how's that working for you? Right? God wants to bring healing. God wants to be brutally honest because he has something better in store. What are the things in your life that you need to sit with to receive prayer for, identity, search for meaning, past failures, longings that have never been fulfilled? Sit with God. Seek his face and you will find him. And when we take time to be wise, to learn from the wisdom of Solomon, we can receive a subtle shift that gives us a wisdom that finally lifts us to a new perspective and no longer live under the sun. The gospel of Jesus Christ frees us from meaningless pursuits. The gospel wisdom calls us to not live under the sun, but to live above the sun, and ultimately in the sun, the son of God. Here's a great de definition of gospel wisdom. 1 Corinthians 1.30, it's because of him, God, that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Did you catch that? Jesus has become our wisdom. Wisdom is not a thought. Wisdom is substance. Wisdom is Jesus. I worked at a small African-American church when I was going through seminary in Pasadena, California. Good News Church of Christ holiness. I loved that church. Pastor Caldwell would always say, where's John Foley? He's so hard to find. I was the only white guy there. But we would often sing this song, All I Need. And it was from this verse. Wisdom, righteousness, and power. Holiness forevermore. My redemption full and sure. He is all I need. Church, Jesus' wisdom. Jesus' wisdom. 
and he wants to give us wisdom as we get in his word. He wants to reveal great truth to us, but ultimately, it's his presence. It's his knowledge. It's his truth. It's his peace. It's the the presence of Jesus. I was reading uh, in a devotional capacity the story of, of little Samuel as he was in the temple his mom dedicated him to God's service because she couldn't have a son for so long. And she said, if you give me a son, I'll give him to you, God. And Samuel's sleeping in the temple right next to the, the Ark of the Covenant. And he hears a voice. Samuel. My dad used to tell me this story when I was a kid. And he would scare me. I'd be sitting in bed, and he'd be laying down next to me to put me to bed and pray with me, and he'd give me, no, he didn't give me nightmares, but he'd say, Samuel, and I'd just stiffen up like a board, right? But I'm reading this story this week, and I probably did that to my kids too, didn't I, Faith? Yeah. She tells me not to say that, Samuel. But I was reading it this week, and I was like, wait a second, Samuel's in God's presence. He's in the temple. He hears Three times God called to him, and he's not afraid. He's not afraid. It says the lamp of God had not yet gone out, so it was probably near dawn. And he goes to the, the high priest Eli, and finally Eli realized God's calling him, and he says, the next time say, speak, Lord, your servant hears. And when he does, it says, it says he did not yet know God. He knew about God, but he didn't know him. And the word of God had not been revealed to him. But church, when God spoke and he listened, everything changed. He began to know God. He began to know his wisdom. He didn't know about God. He knew he had an intimate relationship with God. And the word of God, the written word, the spoken word was revealed to him and everything changed. The problem is, I don't think we approach the Bible, I think we approach it with a perspective under the sun. We don't expect to hear from God like he speaks to the real mess-ups in the Bible. That's why I asked you at the beginning, do you expect God to hear from you? God longs for us to live above the sun with him, in relationship with him. He longs to have communion with us. He longs to give us words. He longs to reveal himself in true wisdom as we get in his presence. Years ago, um, I was pastoring in my hometown of Burnsville, and I was just reading Psalm 51.6 in the early morning. You desire truth in my inner being, wisdom in my innermost parts, and it hit me. I'm like, whoa, God. I don't know if David realized what he was writing in the psalm. Jesus, you are truth. You are wisdom. So you desire you in me. You desire truth in my inner being, wisdom in my innermost parts. Come in, Jesus. Come in. You desire, that's wisdom, being with you. That's wisdom. Gospel wisdom frees us from immobilizing fear to be brutally honest, 
to, to look at the things of life and to say, where's the meaning? And where's the hurt? I'm going to be brutally honest because God loves me. Then I'm going to sit with Jesus and his forgiveness and his redemption and his grace. And I have, have him take me higher. What is God revealing to you today in his word? How does he want to continue to give you more and more of him? What is he inviting you to this week? To be honest and to walk into his presence. May we find wisdom under the sun and in the sun. May we dig in and see what God has just for us. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we just thank you and praise you for who you are. We just thank you that you are wisdom. Jesus, you created this world. You were there with your Father and the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. You are love and you are unity. Outside of you is nothing. But in you is everything. God, I just ask you to reshape the things that wound us and hurt us. I just ask you to bring a new perspective, to bring a healing word, to bring a, a greater, deeper, more profound walk with you. You desire truth and wisdom. You desire yourself in us and growing more fully in you individually and as a body. So God, pour out your wisdom. Lift us above this world so that we can be saved and set free in walking more and more in your presence. And we'll give you all the glory and the honor and the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.